We want to be our best, feel our best and live our best. But achieving our best isn't as cut and dry as do fitness, eat good, get results, happy. To find joy, good health, balance and contentment, we need to show valour. This is valour. Valour is courage. Courage to face challenges, to endure, to struggle, to be exposed to all of your vulnerabilities and to face it all without any certainty of the outcome. On the Valor Podcast, we share the methods, strategies, and ideas that can help us all achieve our very best. This is Valor. G'day, everybody. Welcome back to the Valor Podcast, Season 3, Episode 1. Uh, finally, long, long awaited to get this season back out. It uh, was intended to be brought out months and months and months ago, but lots of things got in the way. <laughs> in re-enrolling in university myself... Uh, getting the gym back up and going after COVID lockdowns, um, some very big, heavy stuff happening in our in in my immediate family. Um, so it just had to be put on the back burner, but that's okay. Sometimes things have to be put on the back burner, and it is what it is. But now we're just here. We're back. We're pumped to deliver more amazing stories and you know, quality information and quality chats that you guys will, yeah, hopefully get a lot out of. Uh, we're kicking off with one of our brilliant coaches Ryan Barnard um been looking forward to getting him into chat for so long um he's been my like first episode goal of this season for about a year <laughs> so yeah here he is he's got um quite a quite a story to tell of uh the best way to probably put it is just overcoming some pretty challenging adversity in his childhood um and coming out on the other end to be the just incredible kind, genuine, friendly person that he is. Um, I won't divulge too much more. We'll let Ryan do that. Um, just a pre-warning though, we do only briefly and not, we don't go into much depth, but we do discuss uh, very briefly suicide. And um, I thought I would just mention that now if you uh, think you might be somewhat triggered or in really not in a space to listen to um, those themes, then maybe put this episode aside for now and come back to it when you are ready. Um, but yeah, We've got Ryan coming. We um, have a great chat. I cannot wait for you guys to listen. Here we go. Get involved. Enjoy. This is Valor. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Valor podcast. I'm so stoked to be running another season. It's been a bloody long time. <laughs> a whole year. That was definitely not the plan. Um, the plan was maybe to just pause for a few months here and there. Yeah. But, you know, we're not perfect <laughs> a lot of stuff's happened this year we are going to kick this off with an absolute legend all your members know ryan barnard how are you bro good how are you bro i'm um stoked i love recording on fridays yeah <laughs> and even though it's been like a long time since an ep i'm like it just feels like we're straight back in yeah that's awesome this is great um so mate i've got you on you've got a pretty um big story to tell us and I, I only know sort of bits and pieces but I know you've just grown up through some pretty heavy adversity in your yeah. in your sort of your childhood and adolescence and that so yeah. um, I'm interested to hear about your story because the person you are now the human being you are now it's you would never have thought that you've had some pretty hefty struggles in your life yeah well never really thought I'd make it past 18 years old so yeah yeah just uh didn't have any further thoughts than that. 
Yeah, and just yeah, and the person you are, like everyone here, obviously loves you. You're just kind and and generous and giving, and um, you're sort of more than happy to to devote your time to people and that. And it's not usually the characteristics and the personality of a person that has gone through some shit. So we'll, we're going to touch on on that. Not just touch on that. We'll get stuck into that later. But first up, let's just chat about you a little bit in sort of the the gym fitness setting. Um, you've been a coach with us for oh, it's hard to count it because of COVID years. Yeah, I think it's been <laughs> about three years now. Yeah, yeah. You sort of did start casually with us just before COVID. Yeah, yeah. It was before COVID. Yeah, just yep. before Shannon left. Yes, yep. yeah. Um, but before that, you were a member as well, um, which is. <coughs> The best thing is that we just keep developing our own coaches. We never have to outsource. We always run yeah. our programs and get people in. And it means that our, our members that turn into coaches know our culture and know our people. And it's just so awesome. So tell me, give me the start of your story of how you got into CrossFit, into here. And we'll just kick on from there. Yeah, well, um, basically... Moved to Cranbourne when, uh, or just shortly after my daughter turned three, and um, <coughs> just adjusted a new area, new job, started putting on a bit of weight. Decided to join a normal gym. Uh, wasn't working out. Didn't know many people around the area who were gym goers. Uh, so, yeah, just dropped out of that for a while. And uh, I've always either wanted to take up boxing, um, so put an inquiry into Sting Gym. I think it's just past Evans Road, uh, and went there, met a few people, uh, and it's all right, um, but then I can't remember how, but I'm pretty sure I just Google searched local gyms, always heard about CrossFit, never really got into like watching it, knowing what it was about, anything like that, just knew it was uh, hectic, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, so I chucked the inquiry in um, uh, through the website. Uh, it was either you or Christy gave me a call back. Uh, said, come in, have a trial. And just jumped in. And yeah, I was pretty blown away like with the people, um, the style of the workouts, even just the beginner workouts. Like a lot of newer people coming in probably think the same thing. Like that was full on just in the elements class for me uh, because no real previous fitness history. So that just... Um, blew me away but <coughs> yeah just liked it liked the way uh liked the way all the coaches at that point in time just approached and were friendly I didn't feel um didn't feel like an outcast when you when you walk in like a lot of newer gyms you walk in you everyone's got their sort of clicks but um yeah like people coming up saying hi straight away once I joined and chatting to me and yeah, just stuck with it since. Started out mainly for the culture and just fell in love with the workouts and seeing how far I can push myself physically. That's wicked. Yeah. Um, it's so important in Cranbourne because it's such a massive growth area that mm. the majority of our members didn't grow up in Cranbourne. No. There's only a small crew, but the yeah. people that have come from either just other areas of Victoria um, and moved here because it's the only place that people in their 20s and 30s can afford yeah <laughs> um or come from overseas yes so people don't know anyone no and so i think it's so important to have yeah to make this place a bit of a community hub um so and, and then friendships grow from there and like you said just to feel welcomed and feel a part of something mm. when you don't know anyone 
in a new area. Where were you before? Uh, so I grew up in like the north area, so Greensboro, the Preston, yeah, uh, that type of area. So just yeah. all around there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you got into. Oh, actually, that's what I was going to say. On it being like hardcore in the beginning, it's hard for people <coughs> that have been here for a bit or for coaches to look at the beginner on ramp stuff and think that it's hardcore you're kind of like oh that's pretty basic we use a broomstick we do push-ups and we get an empty bar out and practice some cleans and stuff yeah but it's important to remember that for a lot of people that is a lot like that's especially if you've grown up on maybe pin machines or yeah done some boot camp carrying sandbags around like yeah yeah absolutely i like um especially for like myself i can't speak for other people but I didn't do any of that type of dynamic movement. Like wall balls, never even heard of them before coming here. Never knew throwing a ball from a deep squat would hurt so much. (laughs) Um, Yeah, thrusters and, you know, that was my introduction to ollie lifting there and stuff like that. Like pretty much no prior knowledge of it. And it was like just those basic movements took me so long to grasp and be able to do it well enough to be able to add on weight and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I remember my first ever CrossFit session, my on-ramp class in Rosebud years ago, it was just an air squat and just keeping a nice upright chest position and keeping your arms up. Mm. I didn't realize that I had a bit of thoracic rounding. Yeah. And for the next like six days, my upper back was so sore yeah. from air squats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how like just being introduced to the right type of movement and how to how to hold your body so you don't hurt yourself, how much that can hurt. Initially. Yeah. Yeah. That's my one of my favorite things, I think. You know, the, the comps have always been fun and I'm a little bit past those now, but that has always been so much fun and throwing down's fun and that. But longevity-wise, like, the functionality of stuff is just the best. Like, mm. yeah, I never ever saw back. No. Ever. No. And that's just knowing how to move your body right. Yeah. Um, and it takes time to do that. And yeah, especially when you show up and you have got a shit back or you've got bad shoulders or whatever. Yeah. You've got a way to go. Yeah, it even, it even goes like, because we have such a diverse amount of people from office workers to excavator operators to, you know, concreters, stuff like that. It just, right down to the job as well. Um, I think it's Guy who's recently had to move away. Um, he... Always looked like he had that round in his back, but he just had massive lower back muscles. Yeah, he's a motocross rider. But yeah, so he, <laughs> like, he had good form. It just made it look like it. and Yeah. Um, just stuff like that. Like those, those sorts of challenges as well can be tough for newer people. Like, yeah. And us coaches trying to adapt to what we, uh, what we fix or try to change and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think when you start out, like it's like, oh, there's a big kind of like this wall in front of you. Like, you know, my range of motion and my mobility or my posture is a mm. bit poor. It's it's an opportunity to fix it mm. and take some time on it. And then the rest of your life is so much better physically. Yeah. Or you run away. Yeah. <laughs> and you just go, nah, I'll stick with the rounded back. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, anyways, on to, yeah, getting towards coaching. Tell us about that those steps from your perspective. I know from my side what happened, but tell me. Oh, like what got me into it yeah um because by trade you're a, a chippy yeah just a chippy by trade yeah. yeah yeah so i've been a carpenter for oh it's been oh about 11 years now um 
yeah, so I've only ever done that. I went into that mainly just for <coughs> to do something because I dropped out of year 10. So, yeah, like I just, I had Shannon approach me one day. Uh, I never, it always been like a small interest of mine, but I've never thought of trying to do it um, even just part-time or just a handful of classes a week. Uh, but yeah, Shannon, the older coach, before she uh, moved to Queensland, she she just approached me and she's like, oh, we're doing this mentorship, you know, um, would you want to do it? And just jumped into it, thinking it'd be cool just to learn a bit more about CrossFit and to um, see it from how you guys would have viewed it and stuff like that because I like to, when I enjoy something, I like to try to get as much knowledge on it as possible because um, that just helps me understand it more, obviously. Um so I mainly just did it just to get more basic knowledge because uh, she said there were certain things she put in there from CrossFit Level 1 course. Um, and yeah, just did that and then started doing the shadowing and really enjoyed being at the front of the class and helping people see it from uh, outside rather than being, uh, being next to or next to someone else lifting. I can see how the movement works, which in turn helped me and just kept going with the flow and yeah realized I enjoy coaching more than uh more than I um thought I would yeah 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 well loved now everyone loves the coaching <laughs> now you've got into like weightlifting actually yeah on mobility going back for a moment how the fuck is your overhead mobility so good when you're just like a chippy <laughs> most chippies I, have shit shoulders <laughs> I because I, I when I was younger I did uh gymnastics and I was in a amateur circus for a while. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. Pause so. the story. <laughs> um, not overly too much, but I I guess I was one of those kids who just never stuck with anything for too long. So I did karate, I did uh, cricket, footy, um, and it was all like term blocks. I'd get to the end of the term and be like, I'm bored of this. Uh, my grandpa would crack it and be like, oh, fire, I've got to find something new to do. Uh, and then uh, we had, I can't remember who it was, a relative, he suggested going here to a gymnastics school. So I did that for a little bit, just learning tumble rolls and all the typical stuff, the basic stuff. And then um, we had this gentleman come in, he coached us for a bit, and then he just pointed out a few kids and said, hey, I do amateur circus training, we do stilts, unicycle, um, some bar work, stuff like that, just for a bit of fun. Come down, it might be more of an interest if you find gymnastics kind of boring. Um, so I went and tried that and, yeah, just did that for a bit. So obviously they focus a lot on flexibility and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's the flexibility. learned to walk on stilts and uh, did a lot of, or did a handful of fairs and stuff like that where we would walk through and clowning and stuff like that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were a clown? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Unreal. Not how old, how old were you then? Uh, I th think testing my memory a bit. That was about twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About that, eleven, twelve. Unreal. Yeah. So again, did that for maybe two terms or a bit longer, and then I dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, all right. Before we get into your story, what is it about? Um. CrossFit and also weightlifting, um, which is definitely a road that you've taken, and yeah. actually have a competition tomorrow, which mm. will be after 
the uh, posting of this <laughs> podcast episode, yeah. but you've got a big comp tomorrow on. So tell us what you love about CrossFit and weightlifting in general, but also, yeah, give us a little bit about this um, weightlifting. Uh, so with CrossFit, my main like of it is just a variety of movements. Um, I like that it touches on gymnastics, weightlifting and cardio. Um, you know, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, mainly with Vala, I just enjoy the community, uh, which tends to, I didn't realise how much it was, uh, sorry, said that wrong, how much the CrossFit community supports you, especially at comps. So, you know, like you go to comps, you see these big dogs and you can't have that initial thought like, oh, they're going to be a bit of a cockhead, you know, they're just up themselves. But even those guys who are like RX plus or professional athletes, they get around you doing your scaled movement and stuff like that. So I just like the community aspect of it where there's no like uh, stigmatism of these big, big dogs, uh, you know, sticking to their own group. They just get around you and cheer you on and get you through the workout. Like that that sort of stuff just really, really drives me to get through a workout. Like you're the last one doing a movement or something in the box and, you know, nine times out of ten, all the people there who have finished the workout already, they could be off chatting, they're getting around you and cheering you on. It, It, it can be a bit frightening, but it's also rewarding rather than just being like, oh, everyone else finished, I'll just give up. Yeah. Which you might do at a different gym or, you know, your mates have finished at your normal back and chest day at a normal gym and you haven't finished, so you, you know, you just let it go. But here you get pushed to go as far as you possibly can. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much the main things I enjoy about CrossFit with weightlifting. I think I just like the the technical aspect of it and sort of taking taking advantage of my my good mobility as you said like mm. I, I know I've got it a bit better than a few other people with my initial mobility and being able to get that overhead stuff like that which people have to work a lot for so being able to use that to my advantage and you know push myself in that aspect um and the technical side of it as well it's it's just good fun like I used to hate snatches, but now they're my favourite movement. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, okay. So, yeah, I would love to yeah hear now about your story. I'll probably just ask you questions along the way, but yeah. you just start wherever you want to start. Um, I guess sort of the, before we go into it, the intent of this is, I guess, um, I don't know, what do you think the intent of sharing this story is? I think it's a bit of overcoming adversity and... Yeah. Knowing that, you know, despite the hardships and stuff that can happen, um, yeah, you can still make it through. You can get through. You can get through on the other side. Place. You can be a bloody good human with yeah. a really good uh, 100 kilo snatch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. You start wherever you want to start. Um, and I'll just, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I guess highlighting on what I said at the start, like I didn't grow up in a house where abuse wasn't hidden um so my my mum uh she's got six children uh pretty much all of them with different dads 
and I've never, never known my dad. Uh, I've, I've only really met him twice, and that was sort of a casual visit. He's never really reached out to me ever since then, uh, out of those, I guess. And I've never, never lived with my mum. Uh, from what I've been told, I was taken off my child services from my parents at six months old. And my grandparents flew back from the Philippines at that point in time to get custody of me and raise me, uh, which similar thing happened to my sister. Um, yeah, so it was, that was very abusive physically, verbally, uh, definitely wasn't hidden or anything like that. And yeah, that, that played a lot on who I who I was during school, stuff like that. So did you still have contact with your mum throughout your childhood? Yeah, yeah. So she she, she did try to stay in contact. Yeah. Uh, but she unfortunately wasn't mentally prepared, I like to say, to to have children. So yeah. obviously uh, can go, go on for hours about uh, the effects of abuse and stuff like that to, to her and stuff. But... um. Yeah, I th- she had me when she was 16. Yeah. So she was the victim of abuse? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Were you guys ever victims of abuse? Uh, yeah, occasionally. Yeah. Occasionally. So yeah. not too much. Um, it wasn't so much physical. There was a bit physical there, but it was a lot of verbal. Um, yeah. Psychological you know, abuse. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that'd be from multiple people in the family. Um. Because my, me and my siblings, just from the effect of what my mum was like, she was sort of the black sheep of the family in that aspect. So uh, she was looked down upon, stuff like that. And that sort of transferred to us when we were born. Um, we were always seen as a bit of a nuisance at family events and all that. Like as much as my grandparents tried to have us involved, like my aunts and uncles, they still had that sort of uh, that sort of idea about us, whether they did it consciously or subconsciously, uh, I do still feel that they treated us very differently and unfairly at certain parts. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, did your mum suffer a few or a, a range of psychological conditions? Not diagnosed, but I I would heavily say so. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, definitely, definitely ones that could say without diagnosis, like depression... Um, stuff like that, uh, potentially schizophrenia, uh, just from severe abuse of drugs, stuff like that. And obviously the amount of physical abuse, it wasn't just minor, like she's been in hospital multiple times from just head through wall, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, like my dad, he, from what I understand, like he's gone to jail for it. Um, and then she's also had other partners who do pretty much the same stuff so yeah yeah okay um okay so yeah so from yeah very young age you moved with your grandparents which was your your mum's parents yes yeah um what was that next part of your childhood like so from up to you know 10 12 ish yeah so going primary going through primary school so once once we got to that point um i yeah, jumped into school, all the expectations, stuff like that. Prep was fine. Um, but 
obviously that led, uh, stuff at home led into my attitude at school. So like I was always a kid who wasn't listening, cursing at teachers. Um, you know, I was picked on a lot because I was different, uh, but I also picked on a lot of people. Um, you know, in a, in a bit of a retaliation to them picking on me. So it's just a lot of back and forth at a young age and not blaming the kids. They just saw me as different and didn't know how to act, I guess. Um, and do you think you were different just because of your kind of situation? Yeah, yeah. So, oh. Uh, like it's, you probably, what you probably think was normal yeah. for, for most kids is not normal no. to be brought up with from a very young age understanding that things aren't right with your mum yes dad's not there yeah. with my grandparents there's shit going on yeah but that's just you know normal for you but even though it's not normal for everyone else um, even though it's normal for you I think um, you're not going to react and behave the same ways mm. so like you know I, I always thought that hitting was a fair retaliation to being you know being made fun of. Yeah. So, like, I always retaliated, uh, or majority of the time retaliated by hitting someone. Yeah. But, so, like, I was a lot of back and forth with that type of stuff. So, yeah, like, my, my normal, as you said, was very different to a lot of, a, a lot of other kids' normal. So, yeah, like, I, I got picked on for being larger because I was larger as a kid um, and because my mum and dad weren't around. Um because the area that we grew up in, uh, which you may know, Alfington, like a, it's a very family orientated area. So a lot of the, pe the kids there, bar maybe one or two throughout from my memory, um, both their parents were involved in their lives. And once word got out that mine weren't there, it was my grandparents picking me up, my grandma, grandpa. Um, yeah, they, that was just something that's good fuel was for bullying. Different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I didn't like that because, you know, I cared about them and, yeah, so, yeah, that's, that was yeah, pretty okay. much all through primary school and... Did you have many friends? Uh, I had probably two good friends throughout, uh, which I really only became friends with them in about grade four. Um, from prep to three was, was pretty tough, was um, pretty much by myself a lot at lunch or... Uh, just be hiding in the back corner of school, just doing whatever or in the library, um, whatever, just to keep myself occupied and sort of got along with two guys uh, who I'm still really good friends with, one of them now. Um, yeah, there's pretty much, pretty much since then. Yeah. But even then, like the, only one of them was probably really good friends the other one sort of didn't hang out with me at school it was outside of school because uh, he didn't want to be seen hanging out with me at school sort yeah of thing. yeah so yeah it's strange but that was just how it was yeah okay um so yeah beyond primary school like high school's a whole different kind of mm. bag really like in terms of like development that's the stage where we really want to like create our own or we, we're trying to question our own identity hmm. um more peer group stuff happens um i could only imagine that high school was not easy no no um especially being it's just like starting over again with primary school because you got other kids from other schools going to that high school who you'd never met before yeah 
Um, but I, I kind of found it a lot easier because, um, well, compared to my time in primary school, like you've got all your standard standard pressures, but um, that's where I found like a lot of my good friends that I, you know, got me through high school. Um, and a lot of my anger issues had mostly been resolved then. Like I sort of either got through it, got over it, um, or learned how to cope with like a little outburst or how I was feeling, um, which was due to just my friends and stuff like that. Like they, they gave me an outlet. Um, they, you know, gave me a place to talk, uh, you know, gave me, you know, a reason to want to hang out with someone after school rather than just going home and playing games or watching something by myself, stuff like that. So um, there were certain issues, but yeah, like high school for me uh, was probably a lot more positive than um, than I would have thought it would have been. Like it was very, very daunting the first year year seven obviously as it would be but year eight through the ten was great you know other than your standard things that you're getting little tips with people stuff like that so yeah okay um what you sort of touched on your grandparents just shortly Mm. what was that relationship like with them were they how many of your siblings were they caring for um what kind of support did you guys have along the way uh, so, yeah, my grandparents had me from about six months and then they only, at that point in time, they only took in my sister as well, who's uh, two years younger than me. So when she was born, it's pretty similar. I think it was only about like two extra months before child services took her away. Uh, so they did the similar thing today that they did with me uh, for my sister, Rachel. Um, relationship-wise, like... They're some of the most amazing people that I've ever, ever met. Like, um, not just the fact that they've raised me, but they've done crazy amounts of charity work. Um, Like, they've not only raised their own kids, but they've adopted four kids from the Philippines, Um, raised them, got them jobs, helped them, like, choose a career path, gave them that opportunity after they brought them back to Australia and now they're back supporting their families in the Philippines, running restaurants and all that sort of stuff. And they done like just so much stuff um, along that path. Um, Yeah. Like they're, they're just amazing people on top of raising me. And now they're raising um, my other younger sister and uh, my, or they were helping out with my niece for a bit. Yeah. Uh, and she's, she's sort of balanced between the two grandparents. Uh, so my grandparents and my sister's boyfriend's mum yeah. is helping out there as well. So. And what about your other siblings? Where, <coughs> where did they go? And So my, uh, who is currently with my grandparents, um, her and my brother, they stayed with my mum and her partner. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know the details about as, as to why they weren't taken off, but it was a different partner at that point. Uh, he he was just as abusive, but 
there was probably a bit more um, a bit more leniency or something but that's up to the DHS stuff to discuss and make those decisions so I don't know much details about that but they stayed with them up until they split and uh, my uh, what do you call it my oh, don't even know how to refer to it my mum kept my sister and my her, her dad or her partner took my brother up to Adelaide to go live with his parents um, or grandparents they stayed there for a bit and then he, uh, his dad um, committed and so he stayed with his grandpa, grandma for a long time um, and then we, me and Jazz, uh, my wife, she, we both discussed because I went over there to visit him a while back, years ago and um, we went back and forth and just made the the choice that we would give him the opportunity to move back here uh, and live with us and give him um, just give him the option of potentially studying here um, just continuing to get to know the family down here and stuff uh, so yeah he, he stayed with us for I think it was about two years while he studied to be a pastry chef um, and so he's now a full-time baker and lives with his girlfriend in Noble Park so yeah that's I've got other extended siblings I think I've got about 12 that I don't know f through my dad but um, yeah I, that's that's as far as I know yeah uh, with everything so yeah how was growing up impacted on all them in different ways like I imagine it's just so varied I, I, I couldn't even imagine yeah so I mean we're all got our own little messed up quirks and stuff so <laughs> um my sister Rachel, the oldest sister she's unfortunately following a similar path to my mum um so try to help out where i can with that but she's just going down that path of drugs and abuse and stuff like that with partners and you know just it's uh one of those situations where you can't help her unless they want to be helped and she doesn't see anything wrong with what she's doing so unfortunately that's that um and my younger sister uh she's she's more in a sense because she's still young she's only 16 so she she struggles with getting the attention that she needs because she's never really had it so she's very still quite childlike um like she's a sweet girl uh so yeah, it's just um, that's who she is mm -hmm. at the moment, and just uh, still, still, just she's only just started to try to find who she is as her as herself. So, yeah, my brother, he's um, he copes with it well. I don't know whether that's a guy thing or you know, because uh, my sisters they seem to struggle with it a lot more, but me and my brother have been able to cope with it our situations a lot better. Yeah, uh, and been able to move on with life while still overcoming those situations yeah yeah um you said earlier that you didn't think that you're going to get past 18 why didn't you think you were going to get past 18 um so even though like through high school like i was still having like i've found a lot of good friends and yeah you had great support all, all of that yeah. sort of stuff like depression was still 
very strong. Like I just, I didn't have a lot of sense of self-worth through that. Like I, like I had my good mates and they were, they were awesome. And um, like, they definitely were there for me to talk to, but I always felt like, and I still do occasionally that I, nobody else knows what I've been through and nobody else can sympathize with me. And um, with, I, I, I don't know what exactly it is because I've never gone and been diagnosed, but you know, like I can talk with people about it and express about what I've been through. Um, but I never know when like talking about something like that is going to be too much because I tend to ramble a bit uh, when, I, when I talk about home life. Um, and so, like, I just, I always feel like I, I've always felt like I've been disconnected from just everyone else's life to a certain extent. So, yeah, through high school, even though that was a, a much better time, um, I still, at certain points, was suicidal. Um, you know, like the amount of times when I've just wanted to walk away from home never come back, you know, um, drugs and stuff weren't shy in the house. So like I never, never tried it to certain extents, but, um, I always thought growing up around that, I was just going to somehow get into it, especially the neighborhoods I grew up in. Uh, it was just like inevitable. Yeah. Like I always just thought that was the path that was headed. Um, and so I always had the thought like, if it happens, it happens. And, you know, uh, if like 16 or from younger age, maybe 10 to 16 up until uh, I met my wife, Jazz, uh, before we started dating, it was like, if I die, I die. You know, that's, it's not going to make a big impact on anyone's life if, I, if I'm not here. So, yeah, that was, that's always been my, that was always my thought process with it. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. That's, um... Yeah, that's pretty heavy for a teenager. Yeah. Super heavy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think a lot of people could imagine what it's like to not have parents around or to, you know, to feel that different. And from the outside, you're like, oh, you know, you probably don't, oh, yeah, it's fine. But it's a lot for a kid mm. or for a kid of many siblings and that to grow up knowing that one, you're different to all the others who have lots of families and all that sort of going on. And yeah. even if you don't know everyone else's situation, you kind of assume that theirs is probably a lot better. Yeah. But to, but to be around abuse and to be around drugs and to be around all those things for well, the, all of your life mm. up until that point, um, yeah, it's I just couldn't even imagine um, what you guys had gone through at that point. And... I know I've spoken to people in the past and you know, chat to people who have had issues with parents and things like that and they're supposed to be the first person that you're attached to. Mm. So when that attachment isn't a safe, secure attachment, um, yeah, it can cause a lot of issues in the future that are very hard to, to get past. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, just innately you're supposed to attach to your mother and from at, at that birth age. Yeah. But then as you sort of get into, you know, your first year, your first, second year of life, 
it's so critical that if you haven't got the normal nurturing, um, there's a lot of studies and research that have done this sort of stuff, yeah. that if you don't get that normal nurturing, then you develop these types of uh, attachment styles. So there's a like secure attachment, mm. there's avoidant. Um, so avoidant attachment is kind of when your parents are like consistently distant and, mm. and not there and yep. they don't cuddle you very much and things like that. And then there's... Um, Oh, I knew I was going to go blank on it. <laughs> Come on, Stu, you're a psych student. Um, but th there's an attachment style that occurs when you are brought up in abuse and like inconsistent parenting. So your parent shows love as, you know, according to a type of behavior you've done. But then sometimes that same behavior you do, it gets received with punishment or abuse or whatever. And so what happens to the child is... Um, they become very fearful as to what's going to happen next. They don't know what's going to happen next. Yep. So that develops anxiety and depression, all these things in children um, at a really young time and a detachment. So, um, yeah, without that, it's hard. And it does sound like, though, that you got a lot of that love and care from your grandparents, though, and developed a lot of those values from your grandparents to know that they're doing charity and things like that. As soon as you started saying all these beautiful things I was doing, yeah. I was like... Ah, oh, this is where it, a, a lot of you has come from is yeah. to, to to see that and to see that they can love you and care for you and care for your for your siblings and then they can care for these other kids as well. Yeah. Um I I imagine I don't know if if you know or if realize or not but that must have been pretty impactful to at least let you know at that young age that you are somewhat loved and important to some yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely didn't have a shortage of um, expressing that. Like, even though they're older, they um, they don't they don't necessarily have that like uh, scarcity around that generation in yeah. a sense that they're not scared to show it. Yeah. Um, you know, they're just very much their own people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they were definitely a major impact on how I was uh, and. You know, obviously, I wish I realised that when I was younger, that they were those secure people for me. Mm. Um, but like you said, that um, I've really, honestly, I've only really ever gotten over it um, with the father figure and mother figure aspects and not having that probably only in the last two, three years. Mm. Um, and I've, I've been seeing, I have seen a psychologist, psychiatrist. The one you just chat to, psychologist. Yeah, that's psychiatrist prescribes. <laughs> yeah, I just I just needed to chat to someone because they were the thoughts were just playing on me quite a bit, and yeah, so um, realizing that obviously what they've done has always been a great, uh, amazing thing for me and my siblings, but also the the love and the care that they've expressed. Like they could have just taken me in and been like, yeah, cool, whatever, you know, just given me a house to live in and not shown that love and care but they've gone that extra bit and even further to help me uh put me in decent schools and give me the option of doing all the random crap every single term and you know as frustrating as that would be now that I've got my own kids I, I know how annoying that can be of you know you've got the financial side of it and then you're like you you organize schedule to take them somewhere and then they're like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> you know, like I can understand how frustrating that could have been for them. But for them to come out of retirement, 
take care of us and basically sell their house to do that so that they had funds for it. Um, yeah, it's just an amazing thing. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, you're right. At the same time, and I'm sure that's why you felt what you felt now is like when you see other people with parents or at least just with one parent around, do you feel like um, somewhat resentful that you didn't get like the childhood that other kids would typically get? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you could not... I wouldn't say resentful. I'd just say more upsetting. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, seeing just older people or even just young kids now at the park, um, even my own kids, like I just can't imagine what someone, why someone wouldn't want to give their all to their children. Yeah. Um, you know, to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, I even see now like people's parents come and watch them at comps um, that I'm doing like with Kate. Her mum comes along or he's coming along to Wham Bam this year with us uh, for our comp and it it does kind of upset me that I can't or I'm not in a position to ask my parents to come, um, you know, and that's, it's, it's upsetting, but it's also one of those things now that I've just become more used to that, you know, it's something I, you know, they've, I've tried to reach out, tried to form a connection. I've done what I can, you know, it's just something that unfortunately may not happen, uh, while they're here. Mm. Uh, I guess um, I think what you do learn as you get older, if you do have family issues and that is, it in the end it doesn't maybe matter so much who shows you love and all that. You so and and we all do it. We get caught up in like thinking of what we don't have, but then if you sort of stand back and look around, you're like, oh well, I've actually got a lot of people around me still. Yeah, I've got you know, whether it's your partner or your wife and or your friends and you've got your grandparents and you've got all these people and yeah, they might not be the parents or the exact figure that you were sort of hoping it would be. Mm. The love's the same anyway. Like the love's, it's, it's, yeah. And that's all that kind of matters. But it takes a bit of time to sort of get to that, I think. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. Um, it, it's just like for me with, with all that, family isn't like crazy important in my eyes like my friends are just as important as my family uh and that's uh probably one of the best better things that has come out of growing up in that environment like i i, I like that people can have that aspect of um having a really close-knit family but i've i just have that not with blood different relatives style. yeah yeah you know, I've got friends who are, you know, would do the same things for me, um, even though they're not family. So, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, one of the last things I want to ask was I feel like jazz coming into your life was like a big deal. I feel like that, I just get this vibe that that was an important <laughs> thing and at an important time was coming across jazz. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it kind of plays into what I said about not thinking that I would be here at 18 or make it past 18 like I never thought I'd be able to have a girlfriend I, I never thought I'd be a type of person that anyone uh any any girl would be interested in to let alone talk to or date you know um so yeah but then when jazz 
and I started hanging out more and eventually started dating, um, it kind of blew me away a bit uh, that someone would be interested in me uh, just to get to know me. Like, it was just, like, weird to me. You know, people that I've talked to besides, like, my close friends would, you know, either want me to do something for them or stuff like that. So it was always, like, a give and take, whereas Jazz would just want to hang out for the sake of being around me. And that was just such a weird, like, weird concept to me. Um, but, yeah, that just, like, she's she's helped me through so much stuff. She's shown me, because uh, she's got a really close-knit family, like, seeing that at first was super weird how <laughs> close they were like they do family dinners like we even though like my grandparents they cared about us we never ate dinner at a table first time i went there to visit her family and hang out there they ate dinner at a table and i just sit i just remember sitting there like one of the first times and feeling super awkward this <laughs> is just weird like i need a tv in front of me yeah um to feel good and they're they're just there chatting about their day or cracking jokes at each other um but that helped me understand, which has now led into how, I guess, me as a dad and having our household, um, just to see that not all households or not all relationships have to be that abusive or it doesn't have to be that argumentative sort of back and forth. Like, you can have a functional, happy relationship. So, yeah, like, she's just helped me get through so much. She's helped me overcome a lot of stuff with um with my family uh you know showing me that um i don't have to be uh i don't have to be upset at them like we can't have a proper relationship with them uh you just love them in a different way hey yeah yeah it's just very different and we still have our challenges every now and then um like me and her me and her dad sort of clash heads a lot mm. um and you know, we, we did when we were dating and we still do now occasionally, but like I know that her parents care for us, um, which is still weird to me, but you know, they're, they're there for us and I'm glad that, glad that they're there for us and the grandkids and stuff like that and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Oh, um, I don't have any more questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks so much for sharing that, mate. Um, yeah, it's definitely, oh, I think a credit to your grandparents and credit to Jazz and absolutely credit to yourself and all those little protective sort of things that kind of happen along the way, your friends, just hmm. all these important things came across in your life that I guess showed you that you are worthy and important, that hmm. you are you know, worthy of being loved and that you, yeah, that you can most certainly live past 18. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm fucking glad that you're here. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm, I'm wrapped that I'm here. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's just all come to the point. Like I remember an interaction that we had and I think you were talking about something. I can't remember what. And you asked my opinion on it and I was like, doesn't bother me at all. And that's sort of one thing that came to fruition which I'm glad about like I don't get as emotional about certain things um, which helps me deal with a lot of stuff in in most cases so what did yeah. I ask you can you remember no I, was, I can't really understand the context of it, this. Was, it was something political that was happening oh yeah yeah and uh, yeah I was just like oh, I 
doesn't bother me at all. Like it doesn't affect me. Yeah. Um, I just remember a comment that you said after that. You're like, oh, not much stuff bothers you, does it? I was like, no. no. Yeah. You know. So you care about the things that are important, worth like that are worth caring about now. Hey. Yeah, like the stuff that I can affect and change. Yeah. You know, that's that's the stuff I get worried and emotional about. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the important stuff. Yeah, that's the important yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, thanks so much for sharing your story, mate. Um, unreal. Like, I feel emotional listening to your <laughs> story. Um, yeah. Just, uh, yeah. I don't even know what to say. It's a really just terrible way to finish off a podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm f- it's just fantastic that you're um, here, that you're coaching amazing. Everyone here at this gym loves you, and uh, every I know every, every person that you cross now and that you that you give to just uh, absolutely loves you for who you are. So, um, yeah, unreal story. And I feel like without all the things that happen, even including the good and the bad, especially including the bad, you probably wouldn't be the human being that you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, unreal. Yeah. Oh. Thanks, mate. No, thank you for bringing me on. It's been fun. This podcast was recorded on Boon Wurrung country. I would like to acknowledge the Boon Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners on which this podcast is recorded and extend my respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples past and present. Thank you very much for listening to the Valar Fitness Nutrition Mind podcast. My name is Stuart Cunningham. If you enjoyed the episode, please send us a like, send us a comment, share it with a mate, give us a rating on the iTunes or whatever you're listening to this on. Every little bit of support helps. Looking forward to bringing you some more stuff next week. This is Bella.